It's Monday the 13th of January. I'm Jackie Oatley and this is The Athletic Transfer Daily. We're into our second week of bringing you all the latest transfer insight on the Premier League and EFL from our army of well-connected correspondents around the country. We will hear from a few others in just a moment. But first of all, we're going to focus on Wolverhampton Wanderers with Tim Spears. Hi, Tim. Hello, Jackie. Love to get your insight now, Tim, because there are not many more better connected than you, if anybody, about how it works behind the scenes at the club, particularly recruitment-wise. They've got the sporting director, Kevin Thelwell, who's had plenty of successes. Uh, but obviously, George Mendes, who we hear about plenty too, has a significant role there. Can you explain it all, how it works? We know they need players. What's happening now behind the scenes? Well, the recruitment team has, has expanded significantly, really, in, in the past couple of years, and a scouting network, which is, which is now very much global. Headed up, as you say, by Kevin Thelwell, sporting director, who's now on the board at Wolves. He's, he's been there many years in a variety of roles. Extremely important to how everything on the football side works. You know, I kind of, you'd call him a bit of a chief executive of the football side of things. Um, John Marshall heads up the recruitment team below him. So they've got, a, obviously, an office at Compton Park. John's got a team of about six or seven people. Um, they're there every day. Um video reports on, on a daily basis which all kind of feeds into into John as well as the the reports that they've got from their scouting network across Europe and worldwide um, the kind of highest profile of which would be Ben Rigglesworth who they who joined from Arsenal uh, a year or two ago and obviously um, was renowned for the work he did at Leicester um, helping to put their title team together so lots of video reports they monitor apparently 6,000 players a year they'll watch them every single day it's a very kind of intense schedule um, That's more football than I watch, blimey. <laughs> I don't know about that, Jackie. Um, <laughs> so so they'll kind of put together their, their reports on, on the kind of player that, that, that Nuno's looking for. That'll then go to, to Kevin Thelwell, and then maybe he'll go and watch players live. Um, and then that players will then be put forward to Nuno, who very much kind of has the final say, you know... Every club varies in, in this respect, when you, certainly when you've got a head coach, as Nuno is. But... Nuno's very specific that you know he has the he has the final say and or a veto on the players that come in and out and uh, from from what I gather you know he's he's got very very high standards um, which is evident in in what he's done at Wolves over the past couple of years but uh, you can imagine a lot of players have been put to him and he's very kind of picky rightly so on the players that he wants to fit in into his group he's very specific about what he wants so. It could be a situation perhaps this month where he's t- kind of turning down a lot of players, um, so they need to come up with a, with, with a lot of options. And there's there's a lot of there's a lot of green ticks that are needed basically before a player comes in, especially at this time of month. You know, you, you go through all that all that work with, with the video work. You go and watch a player live a few times, and then you might then put that to Nuno, and he might say he might not fancy him, or the club might not want to sell, or the player might not be interested, or the wage demands might be too high or the club might need to buy before they can sell to Wolves. So there's so many there's so many things that are needed to go through before a player comes in. There's so much work that goes on behind the scenes. Um, I um, did an article a couple of months ago about uh, the process of um, signing Max Kilman, which was a little bit simpler because it was a youth signing at the time, but you know he was spotted by um, one of their main scouts, Matt Hobbs, uh, playing futsal. He was then he was then watched live, yeah, about six or seven times. Then Scott Sellers, the academy chief, went to watch him. Then Kevin Thelwell went to watch him. So there's an awful lot of work that goes into it before you even get to the process of bidding or putting together, you know, a contract offer. 
So, um, yeah, John Marshall, very much the boss of that team and very kind of highly regarded within the club. Then you've got Matt Wilde, their, their chief football administrator, who, who, who will work on, um, obviously, the administrative side of things. Um, and you mentioned George Mendes. You can't not, really, when it comes when it comes to recruitment at Wolves. But although he, it's kind of regarded that he, he makes the transfers, right? Some people think that. I mean, it's certainly not the case. He's an agent that they use a lot. His friendship with Nuno is vital to, to that process. Um, he's obviously someone that Nuno trusts and vice versa. Um, I, I kind of say he's the ultimate contact, really. Uh, he's not actually at Wolves or, or Compton Park or Molyneux that often. I don't, I don't think he's been at Compton Park um, since the start of the season, actually. But he's got this in, these intrinsic links with other clubs that can help Wolves so much. And we've seen it time and again, sport in Lisbon with Patricio, Monaco, you know, where they've got Giamatino from, Cavalero, Ruben Vinagre as well. So it's a case of Mendes will sort of offer offer players up maybe that, that that he's got in his stable that he thinks might be appropriate for Wolves, or they they can go to George and say, look, you know, we want a specific type of player. Um, have you got anyone available? And then his his contacts and his deep roots in other certain clubs are, are, are what get these kind of unbelievably cheap fees. Um, five five million for Matinho being the standout one really, but then Cavalera would be another one. Seven million pounds they paid for him despite the fact that Monaco had paid £15 million for him a year earlier, and now he's left again now for £15. Just explain why he was so cheap. Why did the club take less than, frankly, he was worth? Monaco, I mean. I think that would be um, Mendes being so heavily involved in the club and perhaps doing one favour for one club at one time and one club for another for, uh, uh, another time. And I think we saw that with with the Johnny deal as well last last January. Wolves, I don't, I don't believe, had any intention of buying Johnny last January. He was on a season-long loan from Atletico um, and they were hoping to buy him at the end of the season and then all of a sudden Atletico needed uh, money for a deal it might have been the Maratta deal maybe uh, last January and all of a sudden Wolves then go in and buy him for around £15 million they didn't have to do that they had him on loan for the season um, but that deal was perhaps bought in earlier because Atletico needed transfer fee, uh, funds at that time um, that's certainly a suggestion that's been made to, to me whether that's true or not but um it would make sense, really, because Mendes is, is so powerful and um, such a crucial figure uh, in some of the high-end deals that we've seen Wolves do in the past couple of years because he, he can open doors that others can't. He can, and there is also a myth that it's just George Mendes and the super agents that have links with specific clubs, but there are lots of other clubs like Birmingham City who rely very heavily on one particular agent, don't they? They're just maybe not so high-profile or not quite so successful that you don't hear a lot about them. But you also mentioned there Ben Rigglesworth. I was talking to somebody last night at a football writers' event somebody who's very senior in football finance, a real expert, who was saying that Rigglesworth was the one that was responsible when he was technical scout at Leicester for bringing in Mares from Le Havre in the second division, remember, in France, into the championship in England. And then Rigglesworth became head of technical scouting, brought in Kante from Caen, who played in the third division with Bologna, then the second division, and then just one season in the top flight in France. And actually, it was Steve Walsh that took all the credit, and he went to Everton, and it didn't work out at all recruitment-wise there, did it? So perhaps it does make sense, and it seems that Wolves have got a good in there. Yeah, absolutely. From what I understand, he's very, very highly regarded. But they've spent a lot of time and effort on expanding the recruitment team. In fact, all departments at Molyneux and at Compton Park, you'll have seen, Jackie, how much the team has expanded behind the scenes recently. 
Um, they're putting in a lot of um, components for, for for the long term. You know, as as, as we've seen before, Fosun aren't just here for kind of two three years in and out. You know, they're, they're, they're signing up top top quality individuals on and off the pitch, and um, Ben would certainly be one. Now, Tim Nuno is a manager who has made it abundantly clear that he needs players through the door. What has he said exactly? Um, I mean, he's normally pretty. Well, he's not very emotive with his language at all, as anyone who'll who's attended one of his press conferences will know. Um, he doesn't give much away, but he's been a little bit more open in the past few weeks in terms of January and very explicit, actually, in saying that, you know, Wolves need players, plural, not just one. Um, I, I think I think he's kind of making a couple of messages to the board, I think it's fair enough to say. I mean, he said after the disappointing draw with Newcastle on Saturday, um, we need solutions, he said. He only made one substitution on, on Saturday, which has become a bit of a regular feature, really, with Wolves. Lack of options on the bench. So he said, we need solutions to, to those uh, to those problems of not having enough players on the bench. Uh, we need more than, more than a specific position, he said. Uh, we need players who can bring us different situations to help us in these kind of games, which he's referring to Newcastle being, you know, quite defensive, certainly in the second half. And I saw him looking at it towards his bench at one point, must have been about an hour or 70 minutes in. Um, and I kind of wonder what goes through his mind when he looks at his bench, because there's, there's just not many options for him there to call upon at the moment. So he says they'll be working very hard on that. Um, but he also said last week, January is not the right moment to, to do it, as in to sign players. You know, we know how notoriously difficult it is anyway. Um, and certainly for a club like Wolves, which kind of prides itself on its planning and its um, intelligent thinking when it comes to the transfer market, you know, January is is not the time to do it. But like I say, you look at his bench on Saturday, Benny Astley Seal was the backup forward. You know, I, 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 I don't think he's necessarily ready for, for a run in a, in a Premier League first team at the moment. Oscar Burr Rasmussen coming completely out of the blue, Danish wing back, age 21. Would I say he's got a future at the club? Potentially not. But, you know, they, they're having to put these guys on the bench at the moment. We've had three centre-halves on the bench at times recently as well. So it's a bit of a frustrating situation. Um, but people at the club are relaxed and are confident that they will make additions this month. You know, there's certainly no panic. We're not even halfway through the month yet. Um, there is a, there is a bit of negativity around at the moment, though, Jackie, I must say, from the fan base, not helped by a run of four winless games, uh, like I said, a small squad, players on the bench that, that, that we're not used to seeing. Um, in my opinion, they'll, they'll make good additions and, and they've got Willie Bolly coming back soon, which will be fantastic. Morgan Gibbs-White's back now. Diogo Jota hopefully won't be out for a long time. They're still seventh in the league, last 32 of the Europa. So uh, overall, they're in a very good position. But there's just a little bit of uncertainty at the moment with a couple of players having been moved on and no uh, replacements yet in sight. Really surprised what you said there that you think Nuno was sending a message to the board by only bringing on one substitute. Why does he need to do that in public with his displays on the pitch? Surely they want him to recruit. Surely they want what's best for the club and know the squad's too thin. I think the message comes more from what he's saying in, in the press conferences. I'm, I'm not sure he's definitely making a, a message with his substitutions. I mean, obviously, you can just go to Jeff Shee and say, look, you know, sign me a player rather than making a message specifically with his subs but that's definitely that's definitely an issue I mean only only um it's so rare that you that you see no one no manager make a substitution these days in the Premier League Nuno's done it twice this season um games against Sheffield United at home which they drew one all and Spurs at home when they lost 2-1 he didn't make a sub in either game and I know Wolves are a very good second half team and they score a lot of late goals and they're really good at coming from behind as they've had to do a lot because they concede the first goal every week at the moment but um, 
it's de- it's it's definitely a, it's it's quite an alarming issue when you're looking at your bench, you're losing a game, you're drawing a game, and you've got no one you think can come on and impact that in, in attacking terms. So it's look it's it's something that that they're looking to address, and I'm sure that they will. Um, the information I have is that they're after minimum two forward players. Um, obviously, Catroni's moved on to Fiorentina this month, uh, so they need a replacement for him, but. An issue that they do have, and, and it's an issue they had in the summer, is that their their front three is, is set in stone. Basically, it's it's Jota, it's Jimenez, it's Traore. Nobody's getting in ahead of those guys. Um, so they're 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 looking for players who will probably come in on the bench. And if you're looking for a striker in January, um, we know how hard it is to to find players at this time of year anyway. But you're probably either looking for in terms of available players, somebody who's not playing, surplus to requirements, so there's obviously something going wrong there, or someone who's who's scoring a lot of goals. Um, and w- what what team is going to want to let their star striker who's, who's scoring a lot of goals go at this time of year? And then equally, that player will know that he's going to be behind Raul Jimenez in the, in the pecking order at Wolves. They had this issue with Tammy Abraham this time last year, uh, and it may be an issue again this year, but it's one that they've got to resolve because you know they really do need a couple of additions. But with Catrone and Vallejo going back to Real Madrid, the latter player there after making not the most positive impact as a defender, it was extraordinary, yeah. wasn't it? How how badly that went wrong. Um, would they have let those two players go from a very thin squad with other players very much in mind and close to signing? Or do you think, well, no, we just need them to go anyway because they both just need to leave the club? Um, the Vallejo issue, I, I, I think... that that they decided in kind of September, October, when it became apparent that he wasn't really up to the level that they wanted, that, that they would sign a centre-half and then Willy Bolly's injury, panic stations, and potentially even two centre-halves coming in. But the form of Leander Dendonka and Romain Saiz has kind of negated that. Max Kilman's come in and done very well in the few appearances we've seen him. You've still got Ryan Bennett. Bolly's now back quicker than expected, should be back this month. So their focus has now shifted. They feel they've got enough cover at centre half. You know they've got Dendonka, Cody, Saiz, Kilman, Bennett, and Bolly. The six there when fit. So they've got enough cover now in, in their in their in their opinion. So the shift has moved to the forward players. With Catroni, he he basically he wasn't part of the plans anyway. If you look at the minutes he's played since mid October when he made his last start against Southampton at home, when Nuno played three five two for one of the final times. Um, since then, he's played 13 minutes of, of league football. So you could say, although although he's been on the bench and he's been sat on the bench, he's he's just been he's just been filling filling a gap basically because you've got field seven subs. Nuno uh, decided a little while ago, Catroni wasn't for him, and I, w- I wouldn't exactly say he was a disruptive influence in the squad, but what I would say is he was the kind of a, a negative, perhaps kind of sulking presence around the group, which Nuno just won't tolerate at all. You know, he's very much about professionalism and the and the right attitude, as of course all managers are, but he places a you know a really big focus on that. So it was decided when the offer came in from Fiorentina that hey, they can get their money back here, sixteen million pounds for someone who, who's who's failed really in English football from from the from what we've seen of him. I'm not saying it wouldn't have worked out in the long run, but it certainly wasn't working now. So the opportunity to get the money back was was too good to turn down, really, certainly at the start of the window. So um, as far as securing replacements, I think they've already, they already feel they've got enough cover at centre-half and they, they feel that they will sign a striker in the next couple of weeks. And of course, they're not just going to go for anybody if the price gets ramped up and it just doesn't come off signing that striker. Is there a concern that... Raul Jimenez will just be burnt out and that could lead to perhaps a Harry Kane-type serious hamstring injury or similar? 
Yeah, potentially. I mean, they're they're very, very, very good on muscle injuries, and they don't suffer many at all. You know, over the past two years, you can count on one hand, I think, from the whole squad, which is phenomenal, and reported in in the Athletic before about the kind of things they do um, so well to prevent injuries. Um, it's definitely an issue of burnout with him and his going forward, though. We saw in October, uh, he was he was running on empty, really. He was running on fumes. Um, I remember that Besiktas away. He looked absolutely cream-crackered. Um, and unfortunately, he got that international break off with Mexico in October. Took a couple of weeks off almost. Um, had a bit of a holiday. Came back refreshed and then scored 9 in 10 after that for club and country. So uh, this is quite a clear um, correlation between those two, you know, in my eyes, that he, he, they need to rest him whenever they can. But at the moment, um, with Benny Assisiel, the kind of the only obvious backup, can they really afford to do that? I mean, we'll see what he does at Old Trafford on Wednesday night in the Cup when he makes a few changes as to whether he can he feels he can afford to rest Jimenez. But he's so key to the way that they play. Um, yes, in terms of his goals and assists and his end product, but also the way he, he links everything together. He's, he's, he's so pivotal in that forward role. So they've got to be careful with him. It's, it's gone a little bit quieter this month, although the re- FA Cup replay doesn't help. But if progression in Europe continues and with Espanyol in the last 32 struggling in La Liga, you know, I'd expect them to get through that tie. Then all of a sudden, February, March is going to be very, very busy. And that's why they were so disappointed that the Catroni deal hasn't really worked out as well. So if they could get another Raul Jimenez, that'd be that'd be the ideal, perfect scenario. But like I said, it's, it's not going to be easy in the current climate. Need to find another couple of days spare to send it back down to Stonehenge because that's what happened last time, wasn't it? He <laughs> yeah, went with his true. other half, posted some photos of studying the cultural heritage of the country and he came back and scored all those goals you talked about. Stonehenge being the key to all this. OK, let's get on to some transfer tweets. Uh, we've had some in using the hashtag transfer daily. Dave Evans asks, have Wolves gone full circle back to the Sir Jack Hayward days when it comes to transfer fees? Sir Jack once described Wolves as the golden tit for clubs racking up their transfer fee because of our money. Is this the case again? And Wolves wealth along with inflated January fees? Um, yeah, good question. I'm not sure it's a Wolves specific issue. I think it's more of a more of a Premier League issue, really. There's not many Premier League clubs that haven't got uh, a very decent amount of money to spend in a transfer window. But yeah, they, they certainly suffer from that. I know that, that they had a lot of frustration last summer. Um, last summer's um, recruitment is coming for, for a bit of stick. And, and if you look at Vallejo and Catroni going, um, you, you'd say rightly so, really, because they only signed four players, the other two being Neto and Jordao, who are kind of very much for the future. But what they wanted to do last summer was either sign someone to improve the first team or sign some players for uh, potential players for the future who could kind of um, expand the squad and fill the bench. And they would love love to sign Ruben Diaz from Benfica, but then they were quoted up, upwards of fifty million, which is ludicrous, really, um, for what he's done in his career so far. And Wolves just weren't willing to pay pay that. You look at someone like Jared Bowen again, who, who they really admire. Obviously, he's he's doing phenomenal work for Hull City. But if they wanted to sign him this month, you're probably looking at upwards of twenty million for a player who would be on the bench. Um, so good player though, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, I, 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 know, I know. I see what Dave is getting at, and it's very poignant that he mentions Sir Jack because it was five years ago today that we so sadly lost him. But it, it was a very different situation back then. Wolves were the money men in the in Division One as it was at the time. Now the Championship. So whenever Wolves came in for a player, you know, clubs knew that they could uh, add an extra naught onto the onto the fee, and Wolves would probably pay it. But now it's very different structures in place. Now I say it's more it's more of a Premier League issue, um, but certainly one that, that Wolves have um, encountered. 
couple of very brief answers, if you wouldn't mind, Tim, because we're running out of time. Henry James asks, can you see Nuno leaving soon if there aren't enough reinforcements brought in? Um, I don't think so. He seems pretty. He seem, uh, there's definitely no frustration around this time, but in general, he's very happy. And what I would say is, um, he very much buys into the Wolves project long term. You know, you, you cannot forget that he left a Champions League club in Porto. You know, to join Wolves in the Championship, he, he sees this as a, as a, as a long term um, project that can fulfil his ambitions. And I don't think he would get the autonomy that he gets at Wolves at a club higher up the pyramid. You know, a big six club wouldn't give him the autonomy he gets over transfers and everything else. You know. Fosun absolutely adore him and they'll do anything they can to, to make him happy. So I don't envisage that in, in the short term, no. That's the answer all Wolves fans want to hear, isn't it? And finally, Chris Lampett, where's Banny Ashley Seal heading to on loan, if anywhere? Well, um, that very much depends on if they can bring in a couple of first-team additions. I mean, like I said earlier, I'm not sure Benny's ready for the for the first-team picture at Wolves just yet. He's, not, he's played hardly any men's football, you know, and I think that was shown in the baptism of fire that he had against Maguire and Lindelof in the cup tie last week. He was he was kind of nowhere near it, really. So he needs to get out and play football. And if they can bring in a first-team additions, they'll get him out, as long as along with quite a few others, Conor Ronan, Brighton Bakari, Dion Sanderson, they'd love to get out on loan as well. Um, Harry Burgoyne needs football. There's, there's a lot of players and a lot of work to do to, to get a few fringe players out this month. And just before we move on, you and I have got some rather exciting news to announce, haven't we? We're not getting married. Mm. We are teaming up <laughs> to host a, a brand new podcast dedicated to Wolverhampton Wanderers. It's going to go out first thing on Tuesday mornings every week. The first one next week, Tuesday, January the 21st. And we're going to call it The Molly New View. That should be fun, Tim. Oh, I can't wait. There's Honestly, there's so, so much for us to get our uh, teeth stuck into. So much going on at Wolves at the moment. Fantastic time to be involved in the club. So, yeah, let's uh, let's meet up once a week and chat about it, eh, Jackie? Let's do that. It'll be a struggle, but I think we'll get through it somehow. Now, let's get a roundup from elsewhere in the country, starting with Charlie Eccleshare on Spurs. Our understanding is that a deal for Gedson Fernandez uh, will be done pretty imminently. The Benfica midfielder will initially sign on an 18-month loan um, with a view to a permanent deal uh, in the summer of 2021 for around 55 million. Otherwise, Christoph Piatek, while the latest there, uh, Tottenham won't meet the 30 million asking price of Milan. They want to recoup what they paid for the player from Genoa last year. So if Piatek is to join Tottenham, then a compromise will have to be reached. Carl Anker, Southampton correspondent. You can expect two new arrivals at Southampton Football Club over the January transfer window. Right back Cedric Suarez is a free agent in the summer and the understanding is they would like to bring in a new right back to either alternate minutes with him right now or perhaps to take over wholesale at the moment. He also would like to bring in a left back to balance minutes with Ryan Bertrand. There is a lot of conversation regarding Shea Adams. Leeds seem rather confident that they can get their man but from my understanding is Hustle doesn't want any players to go as at least his club. A bit short on number. So I don't believe as a gut check Shea Adams will be leaving. But but my understanding is Samson will bring in two new players over January transfer window. And one of them at least will be a fullback. 
Hi there, Chris Woff here. Newcastle United's injury problems may be mounting by the day, with up to 13 players currently sidelined, but that will not affect their January transfer plans. Steve Bruce still wants up to three players this month, a goal-scoring striker being the priority, also an attacker midfielder with RB Leipzig's Adam Luckman of interest, and also a powerful box-to-box midfielder. Steve Bruce is due to meet owner Mike Ashley over the next couple of days for the first time since August, and he will hope that is able to force through some transfers for Newcastle, who desperately need reinforcements. You can read my latest piece on The Athletic, which has more updates on Newcastle's transfer strategy this month. With Lucas Fabianski set for a spell on the sidelines having suffered a hip injury against Sheffield United, West Ham are in the market for a goalkeeper. Diarandos' move to the club has been delayed due to fears of his fire injury having not played for Middlesbrough since November. So West Ham have now turned their attention to Neil Everidge who plays for Cardiff City. West Ham were offered the chance to sign Everidge in the summer but turned him down in favour of signing Roberto. Aside from transfers, there have been reports that Alan Stubbs is set to join Moyes at West Ham as part of his backroom staff, but sources have confirmed to the Athletic that this is not true. Thanks to our correspondents there and also to Tim Spears, the Wolverhampton Wanderers correspondent. That was the Athletic Transfer Daily. Make sure you subscribe for free to the Ornstein and Chapman podcast feed, which is hosting the Transfer Daily for the month. There you will find a new episode every afternoon from Monday to Friday. And for full access to all the articles on The Athletic, you can subscribe for a 40% discount by using the promo code UKPOD. Thanks again to Tim. I'm Jackie Oatley and I'll be back tomorrow on the next Transfer Daily podcast. Thank you.